welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I forgot how we started again. I don't know why my brain does that sometimes. It sounded fine. Oh. I didn't notice anything weird. I was like, hmm, I need to say something to start the show. What is it? And ultimately, we can say whatever we want to say. We've gone over this. I know, but when I say something different, you get all, you're like, that's all right. So. It doesn't matter. You ignore me all the time. So why does it matter now? Because I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> that's why. All right. I see. I got it. Yeah. I don't remember last week if we talked about how it's fall here and it feels awesome. I think we did. We did. Yep. I just, it continues to be awesome. And I went and bought some new, uh, holiday like halloween fall gnome decor which makes me so happy i love the little gnomes i love that that's a thing now jason wishes i didn't love them so much <laughs> yeah i i don't get it like when did gnomes become decor for every holiday like i, I don't understand i thought they were just for fall but they're so I don't under- cute I don't with like the ones that don't have eyes which is like a big nose and then a big beard or like pigtails or something oh i love it so much or that one that you said was a girl and it was clearly had a mustache. No, that one clearly had pigtails. It was a girl. Okay. I mean. Pigtails under their nose. Yeah, sure. They weren't under their nose. They were above their nose. Okay. You're face blind. Like you would even know the difference between a mustache and pigtails. <laughs> I mean, that is true. You're all right. I know I am. Oh, my goodness. We've got quite a few games to talk about today on our feature, so enough of our meaningless banter. I want to get started on crowdfunding. Uh, The first game on crowdfunding I have been keeping my eye on for a while, and maybe it's not the best kind of choice, but I like to try and talk to um, certain Kickstarter projects like closer towards the end i don't know it creates excitement i don't or there's just so many i'm like well i'll just talk to ones that are in like the last seven to ten days so i watched this one for a while and it's called age of inventors this is by meeple pug so it's just like a small indie company in in athens greece so this is the first kickstarter that they've created and Jason was telling me, he's like, oh, that looks like an Eagle Griffin game or something but from the components, which is actually a compliment. So, you know, the components are good. So Age of Inventors is um, a game where this is like the second half of the 19th century and we are moving forward in the age of steam and inventions and we we're changing how people live and work and travel and communicate. And so you are a part of that as an inventor and in the game, you're trying to create inventions. You're working in your lab. Um, you're able that I like that the laboratories are asymmetrical on how they're set up. So you are selecting equipment to upgrade your lab. You can get bonuses through doing that. Um, your equipment gets activated. And so it's going to give you these resources that you can use then um, to, like you can send your lab assistants to maybe convert resources because that's out on the board as well. You are going to, some of those resources are going to help you get some ingenuity so you can move up on the ingenuity track. Um, you're going to recruit inventors. And these are all like famous inventors like Tesla and Einstein and Marie Curie that you can recruit. They have powers that they can um, use for your benefit. 
you are like you're creating ideas and then paying them to conceive of inventions. And there's like it appears to be a board where you're placing these hexagons on and they're hexagons of inventions and also inventors to like kind of it appears to like create bonuses and things um, that can work, help you get points. Um, and you're also like pairing inventions with um, the same scientific field of the inventors that are on this. So it looks like there's a lots of different things going on in this game. Um, just resource management and worker placement. Um, there's some tracks. I mean, those are all things we really love. So if that sounds good to you, you like the idea of inventions, there, there is a lot of beige on this board as well. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, check out Age of Inventors by Meeple Pug. There are 10 days left on that Kickstarter. The base pledge is $48, which like the resources are all these different colored plastic gems. But if you're like me and you're like, oh man, I love the wooden meeples. You can get the deluxe edition for just 10 more bucks and all of the resources are these really cool wooden components. So that is my first choice, Age of Inventors. Yeah, it looks and sounds amazing. Uh, I like the price point too, actually. Um, what? And and the fact that it looks like an Eagle Griffin game for but not one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, like is impressive. I mean, the the production looks great on it. I it does. I wasn't like making fun of it. I was being serious. It looks great. Looks great. Yeah, we'll check into that one. The next one seems like an oldie but a goodie, and yet it's new. And that is Terraforming Mars, the dice game. I thought that this kind of um, fad had worn out all the dice game versions of games. You know what fad didn't wear out? The fad of cashing that check and taking that money to the bank. This is true. So, um, Cap, who, no, who does this? Uh, this is uh, Frick's Games. I'm not sure if Stronghold's Stronghold, still Stronghold, yeah, it's Stronghold. Yeah. yeah, Stronghold is still... Riding the uh, Terraforming Mars pony. I mean, that's their moneymaker. They're never going to get rid of that. Which, I, and also, I really like Terraforming Mars. I do. Even with Arc Nova being very similar in a lot of ways, it gives me the same feel. I still like Terraforming Mars. Can it go on a little bit too long? Yes. So I'm assuming this Terraforming Mars, the dice game, is a way to remedy that. So this is basically Terraforming Mars. I mean... You are terraforming the planet. You are putting down oceans and trees and like little settlements or like little specialty things. Um, you are completing projects through card play. But you have dice that are what are going to allow you to gain resources on your production turn. So you can get these dice. You choose like three or whatever um, to see what based on what kind of resources you want to get to build your cards. But there's some randomness in that you don't know if you're going to roll the resources that you want because there's, you know, common, uncommon, and rare resources that are marked on the different die faces. So you're not sure what's going to come up necessarily. So you're rolling those, you're collecting your stuff um, so that you can then can do your projects, complete those cards, complete the actions, um, 
as you're trying to terraform Mars. I mean, it's very similar, like you're adjusting the temperature and, you know, you're putting plants down and you're getting water and you're adjusting the oxygen, like all the things that are terraforming Mars in what seems to be possibly a smaller and quicker package. There's milestones and awards. I mean, it looks a lot like terraforming Mars, just that um, I think hopefully there's like less background to it like okay here's some dice that you can roll to get stuff to play these cards bam um yeah um on the cards they got rid of the the icons so the tags there's no more tags to make it easier and all the cards can be played at any time there's no threshold of certain amount of oxygen certain amount of water all that kind of thing all that's been eliminated and i think that's the big changes and on your turn you take one action instead of two possible to make it a little quicker um, but yeah, mostly it's the same. You're just less stuff to manage on your board with money and resources and all that. It's all, all done through the dice. Yeah, you control what di- what kind of resources you get by the types of dice that you're choosing to use. Um, you, you don't have to wait for everybody to pass to produce new resources. Um, you know, instead of paying to keep cards in your hand, you can just discard any amount and draw back up on each production turn. So it has streamlined some of the rules a little bit. Jason watched the Rado run through. Did he like it? Yeah, uh, he seemed to like it. It was a paid run through, so oh, again, yeah. take that for what you will. But he said it, it feels like terraforming Mars, but it's the lightest of all of them and the quickest. Hmm. So it, it looked cool. I think the dice for resources is pretty interesting because you may need the common one when you're rolling the dice and you get the rare one, which you know is, is kind of interesting. That little bit of push your luck tension kind of thing. I like that, but. If it seems like it's going to have the same feel as the base game, just a little quicker and simpler. Yeah, that is the one complaint I feel about Terraform Mars is that it overstays its welcome. I personally like the tags and things. They seem to be on the cards. There's like these little, maybe that's the resources. Yeah, it's the resource that, that you have to pay for it. Um, But what I love is I was, <laughs> I was watching the video to this, the promo video, and it was like, um, with... What did it say? With classic beloved terraforming our Mars original artwork on the on the car. It's like, oh yeah. That was why I loved about the first terraforming Mars was the artwork. I'm so glad you kept it. <laughs> yeah, the artwork in the artwork in production is what everybody raves about in that game. Oh man. But if you like Terraforming Mars or you like it, but you've heard it goes on too long or you maybe this seems maybe even a little more family friendly, uh, check out Terraforming Mars, the dice game. There's 12 days left in that Kickstarter and it's 35 bucks. So pretty reasonable. Yeah, this does actually look really good. I like Terraforming Mars. It goes on a little too long. And I think this one would be a little more accessible for people to play, which is always cool. So not not a bad deal at all. All right. So those are the two. Uh, projects I decided to talk about today. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. Now, we're going to have one that we played together and then a couple that I played without Katie, but she's going to chime in on one because she basically watched the whole thing. Um, So the first game is the game we played together, and it is called Eternal Palace. And this is a game from Alley Cat Games, designed by Stephen Aramini, who designed one game we really like called Tricky Tides, which is a cool little tricky area control game. And in this Eternal Palace game, what you're doing is you are, I don't even know what the theme is, trying to help construct these palaces. <laughs> you're trying to help construct these monuments. 
uh, moving up the Eternal Palace track. But effectively what you're doing is you're using dice as workers and you're putting either one or a group of dice down in these different locations to either get a landscape that you're trying to paint by spending resources or to move up these tracks to get to the top to be able to get a landscape. The whole point of this game is you're trying to paint the best painting that you can and get some features to score points. Every time you move up to the top of the track, you get a, a feature for your painting. Every time you spend resources at these these a couple locations, you get a painting. Um, if you make it so far on the the bridge track, you get a, a painting piece. And you're the pe- person with the most paintings and um, features gets point a point each. You can earn favors for being the farthest along the reputation track. I forget what it's called. Um, and for being the first person to get eight paintings painted and for having the most consecutive paintings or pieces painted on your board, you can score some extra points. So you're just trying to contribute to monuments to score points, get paintings, uh, move up on tracks, be the first player to do some stuff to score the most points. It's a really low scoring game. I think the highest score was like 15 or something. So you're playing for an hour and a half and you get 15 points. Um, but it's has a cool Asian theme, really nice production. And it was pretty simple to play, and I dug it. So how do you feel about Eternal Palace? Okay, so in Eternal Palace, you're actually helping the Emperor rebuild um, his palace because it's left, it's been left derelict or set to rot or whatever for years. So you're sending your team to go and fix things. And as you're doing it, you also want to honor the Emperor by painting his beautiful gardens and palace. And so as you're reconstructing things, you are painting the different layers of the reconstruction. Yeah. All that, all that theme came through 100%. (laughs) Um, This is like (laughs) if canvas was actually a game, I said it, I said it. No, I agree with you 100%. No. Cause everybody's like, I love canvas. You love it. Cause it's pretty. That's straight up. I don't really I don't like canvas. I did, I'd play I'm not talking Same about place. you. I'm not talking about you. When I talk about normal people, I'm not talking about you. You should know this. I got it. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Everyone's like, I love canvas. Oh, you love it because it's pretty. And it's got these little layery clear cards. Okay. This is like that, but you actually have to, you know, do things to get those layers. And <laughs> I just think in a, in a better way. Um, I like using dice placement. I think it's really interesting because you're making do with what numbers come up in order to be able to go to the different locations. And you are trying to hit those goals. So you want to maybe get the same number to move up on a certain track um, so that you get the layer of painting because that's going to be your points. But you're also collecting resources by going there. And how are you going to use those resources and where? Because they're not worth anything at the end unless you put them to use. Um, And it's one of those games where you always wish you could do more in the time that you have, but you can't. And I swear you're always getting the numbers that you don't want when you don't need them, as opposed to when you get them when you you do you don't need them at all and you want something completely different. And I like that there's lots of different ways that you can get points. Yes, it's not like mega scoring. That doesn't really bother me. Like I don't think, oh, I put it in a half an hour or an hour and a half into the game. I should get that's like I should get 30 a point per minute I, no it, it doesn't bother me either i was just mentioning it because it may bother some people I, it doesn't bother again me. i'm not saying you butt out this is my talk about eternal palace you good yeah i'm butting out you told me to butt out okay, thank you i like that there are different ways to get those points 
So, yes, you have to work for them. It's not like every time I set down a, a die, I'm getting points. And that's okay. I don't feel like you're frustrated by that in this. But you, you are working towards things. But we can work at things differently. And a lot of that is dictated by the dice rolls. So everyone was like putting all these layers on their painting because they're going to places where you get kind of a layer right away. And I, everyone's like, oh, I've got six layers. And I was like, I still have four layers. I think I only ended the game with maybe six and everybody else had eight. Um, but I came in second because I was working on some other things. I was the farthest on this like um, the Emperor's like favor track. And I was, you know, investing in other kinds of points and other places that helped me out. So I like that it's not like, oh, we all have to follow this path and that's how we have to do it in order to be able to win. There are many viable strategies for this. It's also very pretty. Um, and like the idea of layering the painting is neat, much like canvas. Uh, the components aren't done in a way that makes it easy to do that they often are falling off the canvas and they don't really stack well I think there's some logistics that could be worked out there but I don't think it necessarily takes away from the game and I thought it was fun I liked it yeah and the fact that everything is worth a point allows you to be able to go another route to try to get points in different ways right. like I put had I think I had nine layers on my painting but you got to that on that favorite track just for being in the lead you get three points there that's huge so, you know, I spent all that time getting those paintings. You were just spending time on that track and you got three points for it. So, you know, it, it is kind of cool. And there, there is dice manipulation too. So you're not completely right. locked out of things as long as you have whatever that thing is, wisdom. wisdom or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a good game. Uh, it's probably not the best dice worker placement no, game, but no. it, it did have a lot of tracks and I love tracks. So there is that. All right. So next up, while Katie was out with the uh, kid number two doing some cheerleading. I was playing this game called Marvel Remix, and this is effectively the Marvel Mar Marble Marvel version of Fantasy Realms. Same game system, just a Marvel theme plaster on it. I haven't played Fantasy Realms, but in this one, much like the game Red Rising, you are taking cards in your hand and you are trying to score as many points as you can by comboing the cards in your hand. And the way you're gonna do that is on your turn, you're either gonna draw from the deck and then put a card down into the display, or you're going to pick up from the display, swap out with a card in your hand, and put another card down in the display. And the game ends when there are 10 cards face up in the display. So you don't have a lot of time to get what you need to do, and you're just trying to do the best you can, get combos that you can to score the most points at the end of the game. In the Marvel one, you have to have at least one hero or ally and one villain in your hand to even score points. So, you know, the villains, while they have a lot of points, they also have some kind of negative effect that you're trying to counteract with the other cards in your hand. So you may not want to get a ton of those, but you have to have at least one. It's a cool little game. It's real fast. Um, you can play it over. It, a whole game is basically one round, but you can play over a series of rounds, score the most points, whatever you want, and just see who does the best. I liked it. I think it might have been a little too short for me. And I think I'd rather play Red Rising. And I don't even, you know, Red Rising is not my favorite game. But I think Red Rising is, in my opinion, more of a game than this. So that's where I kind of stand. But this one was, this one was cool. Yeah, I, it looked cool. And because I saw that the idea resembled that card set kind of manipulation that um, Red Rising has, which I really like. So I would like to play it myself at some point. Yeah, well, I'm sure Chris will bring it over some other time. If if I asked him. 
All right, so the last game was a game that I played with the youngest daughter, and Katie saw most of it. I was folding laundry. We it. Yeah, she was folding laundry while we were playing. The joys of life. <laughs> it's like that uh, battleship box where the family's having a good time. The boys are having a good time, and the girls are out there like washing dishes, watching them have a good time. That's what it's like. I don't know. You keep referencing that. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I'm going to post that thing on the... Uh, on the riveted or something, because it's 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 a hilariously sexist box from the sixties. Like the the guys are like having a good time playing Battleship, and the the girl and the mom are out there washing dishes, like enjoying them having fun. It's terrible. Oh yeah. But anyway, that's kind of what it felt that's like. The happened. game is called <laughs> <laughs> the game is called Igloo Pop, and we found this at Half Price Books. And I remember it being on an episode of the Dice Tower about weird components. And boy, does this game have some weird components and a weird theme. Mm-hmm. So in this game, I'll try to give the theme real quick because that does kind of set it up and it's hilarious. You are like an ice giant and you're going to the store to get fish sticks. But on your way to the store to get fish sticks, you come across these igloos and you start shaking them and you think that the fish sticks are inside the igloos. So you pick the igloos up and you take them back to wherever a nice giant lives and you open it up and kids come out and the kids are laughing and they want you to shake them again. That's the theme. It's really weird. Oh, you don't eat them? Uh, you don't eat them. No, they just, he never eats them or the ice giant never eats them. The kids just think he's playing with them. It, it's weird. Okay. It's still a weird theme. Well, that. That's much nicer than I'm like, oh, you shake these igloos and see how many ig- you think because I think they're full of fish sticks. And then once you find out how many there are, you eat them. No, he, he was going to eat them, but then he found out they were children, so he let them go. All right. So what you're doing in this game is on it's a, everybody's playing at the same time. And what you're trying to do is you're going to pick up one of these igloos and you're going to shake it. And there's a, a group of nine cards around these igloos with numbers. There could be one number, two numbers, or three numbers. You're going to shake this igloo, and you're trying to figure out how many beads are inside the igloo by just by listening to it. And they range from two to 13. So I pick one up. If it sounds like a lot, clearly it's more than two. So you can kind of, you know, cancel some stuff out. But then you're going to take an igloo and either put it back and pick up another one and shake it or put one of your little tokens in the igloo and put it on a card. Once all the igloo, the cards have igloos on them or all the igloos are gone... Um, then you're going to score. You're going to pick up all the igloos, see if you were right. If you were right and you're the only person on the card, you get your token back, which is worth a point at the end of the game, and the card, which could be worth one, two, or three based on how, if it's one number, it's worth three. If it's two numbers, it's worth two. If it's three numbers, it's worth one because it's easier. And then if there's other people on the card and they also get it right, whoever has the highest takes the card and everybody else gets their token back as long as they're right. If you're the only one that's correct, you take everybody else's tokens and you get the card and you're just trying to have the most points with cards and tokens at the end of the game to be the winner. And the game's going to end when either the deck runs out or someone is out of tokens. And then whoever has most points is the winner. Silly little game, but has a great gimmick and I love a gimmick. So that is Igloo Pop. It is like the little igloos are really cute. And I think that the theme is hilarious because at first I like, so of course our daughter is like, mommy, listen to these two. How many do you think, which one do you think has more? Because she loves to play games like that. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. She brings me like one that has, one has like 10 or nine and the other one has 11. Let me tell you, the difference between nine and 11 beads is basically non-existent. It's, it is non-existent. Yeah. Um, so it is difficult. I don't know if there's a good strategy to this. I'm sure there is. Um, but it, it looks really fun and cute. She wanted me to play it with her the other day, but you weren't here. And even though she says she knows how to play it, 
I wasn't sure she understood the scoring. <laughs> she always says she knows how to play them. The scoring is a little funky, and the disc of when you get your disc back, when it's out of the game, when the other player gets it, that's the confusing part, but the gameplay is pretty easy. Well, that's why I was like, why don't we wait for your dad? So that's why I haven't played it yet. Because she wanted to play it when you were gone, and I was like, I don't think you understand the scoring of this. Yeah. She she probably could have bumbled her way through it, and it would have been fine. Sorry, kid. But yeah, it looks like another cute game. Again, like we love to find like different games to play with our kids that aren't, you know, Monopoly Junior. So, or Candyland. That's true. You're not wrong there. So those are three games that, well, were played. I played a couple. We both played one. So let's just keep going. All right, this week's feature, we are back with What's on the Shelf. We have moved down in our little set of square shelves. If you follow us on um, any of our social medias, you might have noticed that uh, we have Jason has been up to rearranging the game shelves again. So I'm not sure how that's going to bode well for the future of the What's on the Shelf segment. None of them that we're going through yet. I'm, I'm on the up- other side of the room. We're good. We're all good. He says that now. But what if you move things from one side to like the other that we've already talked about and then go back to the shelf? I think we'll be okay. We're just pretty okay. That's fine. This may be a short-lived series. <laughs> That's right. We're co- I mean, we're going to be starting our top 100 anyway like, soon. So we, we are. We are. We're going to hit our top 100 soon. So we'll forget all about the shelves. <laughs> That's true. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got another small-ish shelf that has quite an interesting variety of games. And so the, uh, Jason's going to talk about our first one that he had a ridiculous obsession with, went on like a feeding frenzy to find it. So get us started, babe. All right. So this was the game, the game that I wanted so bad because it's so good. And it is called Scout. Scout is the first game on the shelf. It's a little tiny card game. We actually have the one, the not oink the not popular new Oink version. It's uh, from another company. Same game, just different art. And this is a game about uh, like a trick-taking game, kind of ladder climbing game where you're trying to get rid of all your cards. You're going to play down a group of cards. The person after you either has to beat your group of cards by playing either the same set or a better run. And if they can't do that, they can scout from you, which means they take one of your cards, you get a point, And then the person after them can then try to beat your play and all that kind of thing. Really easy game, really fun, but good game, and I'm glad we have it. So that's what we're starting off the shelf with, Scout. Yeah, um, we, since we played it the first time, I haven't played it again, but it was really fun, and I'm excited to get back to it. We'll probably be playing it this weekend. Uh, yes, yeah, what I heard. Uh, another little game, it's in a little tin, and it's, I don't know how many people know about this game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. I think they sent it to us, yeah. It's a it's a cool little game though. Yeah, it's called Breakdancing Meatballs. So if you're a fan of like Pass the Pigs, Breakdancing Meatballs functions kind of similarly. So everyone has their own like breakdancing crew, your dance crew, right? Um, and there are these cards that show routines that you want to do in order to earn points. And so it's it is real time. You like set a little timer. I think I, I'm assuming there's a sand timer in there. 
Uh, it's an app. So it's like a minute. Oh, okay. The app or yeah. So you got a minute timer and you're trying to roll your crew, which consists of these little meatballs. And they've got like little outfits on them and everything. Some of them wearing shades. They're adorable. You are rolling them and throwing them on the table or ground or whatever, trying to get them to fall in the shapes of these different breakdancing routines in order to earn points. And I think there's four rounds and whoever has the most points at the end of the four rounds, you have the best dance crew around and you win. Yeah. That's pretty it's, much it. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. It, yeah. It's very much like past the pigs. Um, but with like a fun little kind of music break dancing theme. So that's why we like it. And uh, that's break dancing meeples. Next up. So this is like a game uh, shelf of games that starting off with games that people may either not have or not know about. And this one is definitely both of those. Probably not, not a lot of people have it or know about it. And it's called Grim. I think it's technically called Grim, the card game, mm-hmm. but it's just cards, so I don't really know why it's called that, but whatever. Because so many other things aren't called Grim, like there was a whole TV series. and Oh, I guess that's true, and Grim Fairy Tales and all that mess. Yes. Um, so this is a, a little tiny card game where players are bidding using the same cards. So everybody has the same, I think, nine cards. And on your turn, you're going to pick one of those cards, you're going to put a face down, everyone's going to reveal High card normally would win the card that you're trying to get. And what you're trying to win is you're trying to win a card that's like gold. It could be a dragon. It could be um, who the kids that get eaten by the witch, Hansel and Gretel. Yes. Uh, it could be a prince and a princess. You're trying to get like the prince to go with the princess to score a pile of points. So that's what you're trying to do. But when you flip your card, some of the cards are going to negate some of the other cards. So, for example, if I play, I think it's the zero, but you play the high card, the zero beats the high card or something like that. Or if you play the the fox and the geese scare uh, and the goose, the fox scares away the geese or something like that. And you also have a one-time use card where it's a cat. You can play the cat and then you get to pick another card from your hand to play out to try to help you win that auction for sure. But the cat is removed from the game, so it's a one-time ability. Then at the end of the round, everybody's going to get their card back, cards back except for the cat. You're going to do it again. And you're just trying to win the most cards that are up on the display. Just score the most points, and that's it. It's a really easy game. It's really fast, but it's a lot of fun and kind of stressful when no, you're not winning any bids and you can't get any points, but still a good time. So that is grim. Yeah, it has in some ways a similar to feel to like, um, oh, crap, Katie. You forgot what the game of the game is with the monsters. Can't be creatures. Can't be creatures because you're all playing. You have the same cards to choose from to bid, and they each do different things. Um but you're also trying to get these particular cards, which I guess in the same way, because you're collecting humans and their set collection. So it's just with, I think, a cooler theme. And the different cards can then kind of group together as you go further on in the game if certain auctions result in a tie. Um, so it's it's like intense, but again, like super simple. I just choose a card from this hand of cards that everyone else has, but that choice is so full of like anxiety. (laughs) I think it's so good. Sorry. You can't ever find it. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the next game is one that at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this game, but it has grown on me. And I think part of it is it kind of depends on who you play with. And that game is Good Critters. So Good Critters is kind of like is mobster based, but it's with 
animals, hence the critters. So like good fellas, but it's critters. Get it? Good critters. Um, so good critters is about basically like the best part of the heist, which is where you divide the loot. So the heist already happened. You already committed the crimes. Now you're all together and you've got the boss has to divide the loot. So uh, people take turns like the boss kind of moves around and there's kind of an election style to the boss. Um, and when you're the boss, you draw so many loot cards. I think it's like number of people plus two or something. Uh, and then you disperse the loot cards and everyone can see the values and what kind of loot is being passed out. Then everyone has kind of a say. They can fire the boss. They can like hold up another one of the gang members and take their loot. They can, um, I'm trying to think, they can defend when they think other people are going to try to take their loot. Uh, I was, I was thinking there was one more thing you could do, but... Uh, yeah, I think you can, like, s- skim some money, too. Somehow. Oh, yeah, you can skim, but you can only skim if you're, like, the first person to skim. Yes, correct, yeah, yeah. And, but everyone, like, blind, like, you choose that in secret. But you can openly, like, move your pawns around in front of people. Oh, you can guard, you can rob, you can skim, and then vote yes or no. And if there's enough no votes... um you oust the boss and someone new is the boss, the next person in line. So you're trying to end the game with the most money in whatever way that comes about. So it's like this, it's like a big part. You can play, I think like eight people and it is better at those higher player counts because then it's like people are like double crossing you. It it is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like vendettas form for no reason. Like it's just madness. Um, but you're just trying to get the best loot. So it's it's pretty fun. Um, you know, it is a party game for what it's worth. But it's a pretty cute one. The past couple times we've played it with other people, they have really enjoyed it and gotten into it. So it is one of those. It's a little take daddy, but in a, in a very fun, lighthearted way. So that's good critters. Oh, yeah. It's really mean. Don't expect to come out of this not being mean, mad. At <laughs> right. Bit. Yeah, it's really mean. Um, all right, so the next game on the shelf is what I like to call the Lords of Waterdeep, the card game, because it feels just like Lords of Waterdeep without a board and only cards, and it's called Quest of Valeria, and this game is from Daily Magic. I'm not sure who the designer is. I could look that up, but I'm not going to, and uh, in this game, what you're doing is you are trying to form an adventure party, and each of these adventure characters are going to have some kind of stat. So they may have magic, they may have strength, they may have um, purple, whatever that is, I'm not sure. But there's three There's three or four different co- color stats on these cards. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a adventure party to, me- to meet these quests that need a certain number of each of the colors or, you know, a couple of the colors to get points. So say I need seven power in red and I need four yellow in my cards that I have face up in front of me that I've recruited. I need to have those statistics, turn them in and I can complete that quest and score points. And you're trying to be the first player to complete a certain number of quests in the game. And then you want to have the most points at the end of the game. You're going to have your own little special secret goal, which could give you points based on what kind of quest you complete, how many quests you complete, all that kind of thing. Um, and in this game, there is a character that I'm always playing as and it's Rado. He's one of the player abilities. I love playing as Rado. It's cool. 
Um, but it's a really easy game. You can do like one or two or three actions on your turn, and then it's the next player's turn. You get, I think, two actions on your turn, pick a couple, and keep it moving. So it's really fast playing. It feels like Lords of Waterdeep with the way that you're getting people to turn them in for quests and how you have to hire them and all that, but it's just in card form, and that's it. So that is Quest of Valeria. I know I've played this, but it must have been a really long time because I don't remember it. We've had it for a long time, so that's that's a possibility. We have. Um, the next game is, like I mentioned in the news, uh, one of those kind of trends where there was an original game and then they made a dice game. But I honestly think this is probably, this is definitely the quicker version of this game. And that is Bang the Dice Game. Now, Bang and I go way back. This is one of my very first, um, games. I played it in college all the time my sophomore year of college we had this one group of guys that were good friends and we were like all right it's open dorms let's go let's go play around a bang and we'll have a beer run i went to a christian college it wasn't very exciting uh, we had lots of rules but we could play bang but it did take a while because you could keep getting health back and trying to figure out who I, you could spend your bang the dice game takes bang and speeds it up so if you get bullets you have to expend them you're not holding on to them in their hand you've rolled the dice you have to resolve what's there also dynamite comes out and blows up all the time people you know you get arrows native americans come and attack you and tough luck like those just pile up and you can't really get away from them so it is it is bang on speed but it's a great way to teach the concept of bang. And like the entry point is super low. You can teach anybody bang the dice game. Like roll these dice. This is what each of these dice do. Go. Um, it's a little bit harder in that like we played this with some my cousin's children. One of them who is like maybe 10, eight, eight or nine. I don't know how old she was. Like in around that eight, eight to 10 range. Um, and like the renegade role is difficult. So this is like social deduction in some ways. Like you're, you have a sheriff, everybody knows who the sheriff is. They want to stay alive and kill the outlaws. They got deputies that are secret. They're trying to keep them alive. Then you've got outlaws trying to take out the sheriff, keep it. De- and the deputies are going to get in the way. Renegade wants to be the new sheriff. So they got to take out everybody. So there's some hidden roles, but also it's like, if I have, bullet i've got to shoot somebody at a certain range from me regardless of if i'm trying to protect you or not so bang the dice game just forces you to move the story forward no matter what even if it's not what you want to do so it's fun and fast-paced and um a lot of the like the good stuff from bang in a condensed form yeah i I must not have been there when you played that game with uh your cousin's kids but mm-hmm. i don't remember that yeah i played it with the the older woman not a younger one. Oh yeah i don't know where you were <laughs> all right so next up on the shelf is a game and an expansion and this was according to my game logs from last year which i try to keep up on i might miss some but was our highest played game of last year mm. and or maybe the year before but either way one of the two years it was our highest played game and it is dice forge and we also have the expansion rebellion which we hardly ever play because mm. Dice Forge by itself is just so good. We played it a couple times, but we don't play it that often. The Rebellion part. Uh, so in Dice Forge, 
really simple game. What you're doing is you are on your turn. You're going to roll these two dice that you have, and they're going to give you some kind of a resource or points. Then what you're going to do is you're either going to move this little pawn that you have onto the board to one of these locations and buy a card. The card could give you points. Well, it will give you points, and it may also give you some kind of special ability that's ongoing or a one-time thing. Or if you don't want to do that, you can go to this bank of die faces and buy new dice faces with your gold. And you can buy as much as you can as long as you have money for it. And you're going to switch out the faces on one of your dice with the new faces that you bought. And then when you roll, you're going to now have the ability to get those actions. And that's the whole entire game. That's all you're doing. And you're rolling on everybody's turn. So there's always an abundance of resources, an abundance of goodness. And it just keeps you engaged because you're always doing something. Fantastic game. Great production. Uh, just talking about it makes me want to play it. I, I love this game. And yeah, that's Dice Forge and the expansion. The expansion adds more die faces, more cards. Um, I use some of the cards sometimes, but that's about it. Um, and it adds some a couple tracks. There's two different expansions in the box. It just kind of makes it go on too long and makes it a little more convoluted, but gives it a little more of a game if you're into that. So that's Dice Forge and the Expansion Rebellion. All right. The last game that we have on the shelf is one that I really like, and we haven't played it for a while because the last time we played it, we played it with someone that really irritated me because he plays it wrong and I was mad. And it's still (laughs) irritating when I think about it. And that game is Spell Smashers. So Spell Smashers takes like your traditional wordsy kind of game, Scrabble sort of cards, and combines it with kind of a dungeon crawl. So you've got these monsters that come out and you have to defeat them. And you defeat them by using the cards in your hand that have uh, letters on them and making words. And you're trying to put together words that are going to deal the most damage to these monsters and defeat them. So if you deal any kind of damage, you're going to get coins back, which you can use to help with your health, like heal some wounds, um, maybe get you some and get you some better cards, better letters. Uh, But if you can defeat them, you get the monster and the monsters usually have they have letters on them as well. And that is a permanent letter that you have that. Um, you're able to use going forward, which is really awesome. Um, The wounds that are dealt are like really difficult, like word combos that really stink that you don't want to deal with. Um, But the cool thing is that that's also an option is to take an action to heal from the deck if you've got the money to be able to do that. Um, You can also get weapons to help you fight. And another thing I think is really neat is the different, there, there are different types of letters because they deal different types of damage like fire or water um maybe acid i'm not sure or magic or something um and then there are the monsters then some of them are particularly vulnerable to that type of damage so you can kind of do double or there's some that are like oh i can't you know this fire dragon is like well i'm not i can't even be touched by fire damage so you don't those points that attack from uh, letters with fire on them in your hand is not going to do anything and I, I just like that it's this combo of words which i love with um like battling monsters which i also love so it's like two really great things the artwork is like um funky and quirky 
which I think is super fun. I like that with the monsters. Um, there's like really fun um, armor and weapons that you can get, like the consonant commandment. <laughs> Um, that you can play and use this in your word as any consonant with one wild damage, which I think is fun, or the pristine plate mail. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this game. Um, and so I think it could be a great educational tool in, you know, helping with vocabulary expansion and spelling as well. But it's also just really fun. So that is Spell Smashers. Yeah, it's a good game. And they just had a whole pile of these brand new at half price books today. Really? Yeah, there were like eight of them in there. I think there's also an expansion to this, but I don't think we have it. Oh, I didn't even know it existed. I'm surprised because uh, this game didn't appear to do very well. Really? People didn't like this I, game? I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, from what I've seen and read. That makes me real sad. Again, we can still like it. It's fine. I know. We just don't. It has it, it has Miko art, which is cool. It does, which I was saying I really like the art. Um, Smell Smasher's Helm of Sponsorship. Oh, it's just a it's just a special card. It might be a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's funny. Suffer no wounds when you defeat a monster. That's great. Um, yeah, I we don't play it because Brandon looks up words on his phone and it makes me mad. <laughs> we do need to play this again though, because I do like. It. I know. I'm just gonna play it without Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I thought we had a lot on the shelf, but it seemed like it went back so fast. There was a lot, but I mean, it was small stuff. So maybe that helped. I guess. So that was on our shelf part 10. What do you think about the shelf? We posted it, a picture on our social media, and a few of you weighed in. And so now you know a little bit more about these games. Or if you missed that and you're not on our social media, um, have you heard of these games? Do we have some of your favorites? Are you mad now and trying to find Grim? Good luck. Uh, let us know. Chat with us on any of the socials. We have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and a hashtag the Rooted Facebook group and a Discord chat. And even Jason is on the Tiki Talks sometimes, but with no videos. There's like two videos. I'm going to consider that. I might, if we can figure out how to get that on my phone, maybe I'll take over the Tiki Talks. Mm, maybe. Okay, yeah, I'll try to figure it out. I have no time. I'm grading like 70 papers, like a pop <laughs> every assignment. It's crazy. But also YouTube. Um, I know you can get our podcast. Why? I'm sure with words. You can get our podcast through uh, YouTube as well. But also tons of videos there that Jace is so good at uploading. Um, we did promise our youngest daughter to try and do a couple of live plays here with her. Maybe we'll, I don't know if Igloo Pop will work out, but. We will try a few to make her happy and maybe make you happy if you like to watch those. Um, so, yeah, just chat with us. We love to hear about new games. We love to hear about what you think about these games um, or even suggestions of other games we might like based on the stuff that you hear from us. Yep. I don't have a lot to say, but I agree with all that. Yep. Okay. Well, this has been kind of a short episode. Yeah. I mean, I said we needed to be short, but. Usually that never... Oh, it's fine. It's close enough. It's good. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens in post. All right. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.
I wonder how many people think that I'm a complete moron because I space out all the time while I'm talking on the podcast. Yeah, who cares? I do. We record during lunchtime and then my brain does, or during nap time, and my brain stops working. 